In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph, of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great, he will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David. And he will reign forever over the house of Jacob. And, he, and of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, How will this be, since I am a virgin? And the angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore the child to be born will be called the Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth, in her old age, has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her, who was called barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. In those days, Mary arose and went with haste into the hill country to a town in Judah. And she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit, and she exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is this granted to me, that the mother of my Lord should come to me? And behold, when, she, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. And he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and the holy and holy is his name, and his mercy for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. 
He has filled the hungry with good things, and the rich has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy, as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham, to, of, to, to his offspring forever. And Mary remained with her about three months and returned to her home. So far we read from the Word of God. Well, good morning everyday people. Thank you for joining us this morning. Let's just commit this time before the Lord in prayer. Dear Lord Jesus, we thank you for the privilege of being entrusted with your Word. As we now, Lord, seek to understand your Word, we pray that you will open it to our hearts. And that your Holy Spirit will presence himself among us and guide us as we listen to your word. In Jesus' name, Amen. So we are still at the very beginning of our new series in the Gospel of Luke. Now in these very early chapters of his Gospel, Luke is doing two things. Firstly, he is carefully collecting the facts of the stories surrounding the life of Jesus. Carefully collecting them. Secondly, he is accurately presenting these stories to his readers. That's what Luke is concerned with in these early chapters of his gospel. He wants to see to it that the stories about the life of Jesus are well documented and preserved for everyone who will be a Christ follower subsequent to them. Now here in chapter 1, which we read from, Luke is looking mainly in two stories. The birth of John the Baptist, both he is foretelling his birth and it tells us how it happens. And last Sunday, Arnold took us through the foretelling of John the Baptist. And the second story that Luke is concerned with here in chapter 1 is the story of the birth of Jesus Christ. And that's what is going to occupy our thinking this morning and I want to invite you to come with me to discover afresh how Christ came and why he came on earth and I have three points to make the first one I have called the angels greeting and Mary's response the angels greeting and Mary's response the second point is the nature of Mary's baby. Because we know that the angel came to Mary, he greeted her, and he also announced to her that, Mary, you will conceive and bear a baby boy, and his name will be Jesus. So we want to see his nature. And the third point is the mission of Mary's baby. So our story begins with this amazing and shattering visit of the angel to Mary. And as the angel comes to Mary, he gives her this breathtaking greeting. 
Hail or greetings to you, O favored one. The Lord is with you. It's a breathtaking greeting indeed. But others have misunderstood this greeting as if to mean that Mary was full of grace and she was able to bestow this grace upon anyone who comes to her. But on the contrary, this greeting reveals the unworthy of myself and the great mercy of God. In other words, when the angel greeted Mary, he was saying to her, Mary, you are the object of God's mercy. You are the recipient of God's infinite grace and mercy. God has made you a bearer of his son. That's what this greeting means. It's not to make Mary greater than any human being, but rather to tell Mary that she's been favored by God. She's been given this enormous generosity by God. But the person who helps us to put this greeting in right perspective is Mary herself. In her response, both to the greeting of the angel and to the message that the angel came to announce to her. She responds in this overwhelming experience in a manner that can teach us a lot of things as people in the modern society. The first thing we see in Mary's response is her humility and modesty. We are told that she was greatly troubled at this greeting to a point that the angel had to reassure her there in verses 30. Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. So what can we learn? Mary is this country girl who is promised to be married. She's excited about that. While she's in the midst of this, comes this divine visit to Mary. Comes this voice of God telling her this breathtaking news. So her humility and her modesty, that's the first thing that we learn from Mary as she responds. The second thing that we learn from Mary is her thoughtfulness. There in verses 29, she was greatly troubled and considered in her mind what sort of greeting this was. Mary wanted to think about this greeting. She wanted to understand what it means. She wanted to understand what is it that she must do with what God had, had told her. She asked herself, difficult questions to understand what it is that God was asking of her. Her humility and modesty, her thoughtfulness. But thirdly, we learn from Mary's response, her submissiveness. There in verses 38, it's big, you cannot miss it. It's very significant in this chapter. Behold, I am the handmaid of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. 
And at that time we're told that the angel departed from her. That word, I am the handmaid of the Lord, it means I am your slave. Do unto me as you will. Let your will, let your plan prosper and let my will diminish. Think about this. Think about the courage this required from Mary. Her reputation and her life is going to be ruined. Here is an unmarried girl saying yes to falling pregnant in the first century society, which was completely different to our society today. So surely her reputation was going to be ruined by this. It was at stake. But even more personal, the prospects of getting married were now questionable. And indeed we read that Joseph wondered if he should not divorce her privately. So yet Mary was conscious of who she was in God. And she wanted to do the will of God. So how do we apply Mary's response in our lives today? As we see it in those three phases. Her humility, her thoughtfulness, and her submissiveness. What can we learn from that response? Well, the first thing we need to register in our mind is that Mary's response is unique in the history of the whole world and is not meant to be repeated. None of us are going to have a visit from an angel telling us that we're going to conceive and give birth to a baby boy who will be called the Son of God. That is not going to happen to us. It was unique to Mary and is not meant to be repeated. But if we are the children of God, we are Christ followers, there are many similarities to what happened to Mary. Because us too have had a visit from God. God has been pursuing a relationship with us. He's been wanting to have us as his children. And he would not take a no for an answer. We all have been visited by God at some point in our lives. God at some point in our lives has spoken to us directly and personally. We walked away thinking to ourselves, well, the preacher knows nothing about me, but the word he spoken spoke to me directly and personal. And what happened? As a result of that encounter, we started to think. We started to think about what God has said to us. You started to think about what are you going to do about what God has said to you. May I say this to you? Sometimes you invite a friend to a church meeting or to a social gathering, to a church social gathering. You invite a friend to an alpha course or 
an ex a Christianity Explored course, and the friend gives you all the reasons why he cannot come, he, why he cannot say yes to your invitation. And at times you wonder if this is the way of your friend rejecting God or not caring enough about the friendship that the two of you have. Well, I want to say to you, maybe the reason why our friends gives us all these excuses when we ask them to come to church, maybe they're not yet ready to think about the big issues of life. Maybe they are not ready to ask themselves awkward questions. They are not ready to ask themselves difficult questions. Questions about life and death. Questions about heaven and hell. Questions about the reality of their hope. How real is your hope? Maybe they're not ready to think about those questions. And so coming to church or to a Christian gathering will expose that. Will bring them into that awkward space. A couple of weeks ago I read an article written by one of the Christian writers of our time in light of the coronavirus. The, the article is about hope. And this man writing the article says, because he is suffering a minor health condition, he had been told by his medical team that in light of the coronavirus, he is a high-risk person. He falls within the group, within the vulnerable group. So he was told that not only he must stay at home, but also he must pack up his hospital bag and put it somewhere visible and easy, easily accessible. So that if anything happens to him at night or during the day, he will pick up his bag and call an ambulance and rush to hospital. And this man says he has packed his bag and he has put it somewhere easily to see and somewhere accessible. But he has put in that bag hope. Hope big enough to face and overcome the coronavirus. Maybe when we invite our friends to join us at the church gathering or at the church meeting and they refuse to us, maybe they are not ready to think about the reality of their hope. They are not ready to think about life and death. They are not ready to think about heaven and hell. Now, as Mary surrender herself to God, a beautiful picture begins to emerge. Something that God is going to do through her begins to show up, to show up. That God is going to recreate the human race through this surrendered girl. God is going to start again. Is going to start something 
which the old world cannot do. That's what begins to emerge as Mary submit herself to the will of God. So that's the first thing we learn. The angel's greeting, which was breathtaking, and Mary's response, which teaches us to be humble and also being able to submit ourselves, not without risks that comes with submitting to the Lord, but even in the midst of those risks, that we are to be able to say, your will, not my will. Your way, not my way. You are the Lord, and I am your handmaid, and let it be to me according to your word. Now, we come to the second point, which is about the nature of Mary's baby. How are we to understand the nature of Mary's baby? Now, the angel Gabriel helps us to answer this question because he tells us that Mary's baby was a fully man and fully God. He was fully man and fully God. He was God-man. That's the language Gabriel gives to us. The angel announces to Mary that she is going to have a son, a baby boy, and therefore there is no doubt that this is a human baby. But the language from there changes from this natural to supernatural language. Look at verses 32. He will be great and he will be called the Son of the Most High. Verses 33. He will be the king who reigns forever. His kingdom will have no end. Verses 35 says, When Mary asked the angel, How will this be? Because I am a virgin. The angel responded to Mary and said, The Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore the child to be born will be called Holy the Son of the Holy God. So this announcement tells us that God is going to enter the world. God, the creator of the universe, and the one who stands at the end of the universe as the judge of all. In the story of chapter 1 of the Gospel of Luke, he entered the time and the space. He came and become one of us. It should not surprise you, therefore, that if the almighty and eternal God enters our world, he enters it in an astonishing way and he leaves it in an astonishing way. He comes into this world through a virgin birth and he leaves from this world through the resurrection and the bodily ascension. And today he is sitting at the right hand of the Lord. So here then is the interpretation of the nature of Mary's baby. He is the second Adam. 
Here is the new beginning. You see, if Joseph and Mary were to have a son, he was going to be part of the old order. And therefore, he would be a sinner. But God wants to do something new, something different. He gives us a savior who comes through a virgin because of the work of the Holy Here we see Genesis 1, where the Holy Spirit brewed over the darkness and over the surface of the water, and there was light. There was new dawn. There was a new day beginning. That's the nature of Mary's son. He is fully God and he is fully man. He is God-man. And indeed, Jesus grew up and became a man. He was grieved. He wept. He was hungry. He walked among the people. But also he did things that man could not do. He raised the dead. He forgave sin. And he did all the supernatural things. So that's the second point we learn from this big story before us. The angel's greeting and Mary's response. The nature of Mary's baby. And then the third and the last point is the mission of Mary's baby. And we find this one in Mary's song of praise. In the last verses, two verses, the mission of this baby comes out strongly. Verses 54 and 55. He, that is God, has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy. As he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his descendants forever. So here then, we see that Jesus came not to do something new, but to fulfill the original plan of God. The plan that God had always had, and the Israelites rejected it. God never lost sight of that plan. And the birth of Jesus was the continuity of this plan. That what that which God had promised, he wants to see it coming through. And Jesus is here to fulfill that mission of God. So it's important for us to be rooted in the Old Testament in order for us to be able to interpret the New Testament. Because that's a continuous story of God, this plan of God's redemption. God never gave up on his people. Even when they walked away from him, he pursued a relationship with them. That's the mission of Mary's baby. And he involves you and I in this mission. He invites us to join him in this mission. There's a beautiful hymn that says, Church of God, tell of love of God to the world and of his kindness and generosity that meets every man's need. You and I are part of that. 
we tell the generosity and the grace of God, the story of God's generosity and grace that meets every man's need. So as we go in the week ahead, let's remember this story of the foretelling of the birth of Jesus Christ, who came as the second Adam to bring about the new beginning, to restore the order of God. Let's pray. Dear Lord and our loving Father, we thank you for your word. We ask that your word will remain in our minds and in our hearts, even when we have departed from one another. Help us to fix our eyes to Jesus, the author and the finisher of our salvation. We worship you, King of Kings.